Remotely accessing applications seems like no big deal, right? We've been doing it since client-server architecture was a thing, and, and that's fair as far as it goes. It's not the accessing that's the problem, though. It is the security. Security? What do you mean, Ethan? That's the other guy's problem, isn't it? They have to secure their apps just like I have to secure mine. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying insofar as that model was fine when you controlled everything in the data path. You ran your firewalls and your IPS and you could mostly differentiate the good guys from the bad guys based on who logged into the VPN gateway paired with some posture assessment. And that is not the world we live in today. One-time posture assessment for endpoints isn't good enough, not in the zero trust world. Accessing websites securely is an issue not just for what a client is sending a server, but what the server is sending back. Just this weekend, somebody tried to run a pretty well-designed credential scam on me through an Instagram message via a bogus website designed to capture my login information and, and so on. You know these problems. They are pervasive in a world where anyone can log in from anywhere, often from any device. And so we come to the Security Service Edge or SSE category of products. Imagine a middleman that applies a variety of technologies, secure web gateway, cloud access security broker, and zero trusted network access to secure connectivity between the endpoints you manage with the, end, with the applications you might or might not manage. Isn't that just a firewall, Ethan? N no, not exactly. To give us the big picture is our sponsor today, Palo Alto Networks. Our guests are Nathan Vram, Product Line Manager, and Charles Coe, Product Marketing Manager. We're going to discuss a bit about SSE and SASE, hey, another acronym, and then dive into a specific feature, Secure Web Gateways. So Nathan and Charles, welcome to Heavy Networking today. And, and Nathan, I'm going to throw the first question over to you because we're, we got to start with uh, we got to start with some definitions. This is a rapidly moving space over the last few years. It keeps evolving. Gartner keeps throwing new definitions at us, and we've mentioned SSE and SASE in the intro. And so I wanted to get Palo Alto Networks' take on these categories. How do you define SSE and SASE? Yeah, sure. Um, so SSE is like a emerging uh, cybersecurity concept that uh, Gartner introduced in like 2021. So according to Gartner, like you know, SSE is just a collection of integrated cloud-centric uh, service capabilities um, that helps you provide safe access to websites, uh, SaaS applications, and private apps. Right. So what it eventually means is you you with SSE you get like access control, threat protection, data security, security monitoring, um, access resource control, all of that packaged into one single cloud delivered solution. Now the interesting part is there's also this other acronym SASE uh, that people might be uh, already familiar with. Um, so SASE is um, essentially your converging network and security solutions into a one unified solution. Now, so if you take uh, how these two are related is uh, SSE is a security service elements part of a SASE, right? Uh, or other way to think about it is if you take SSE and combine it with SD-WAN, then you get this comprehensive SASE platform, right? So that's the, uh, that's maybe a high level definition <laughs> to start off things. Yeah, that's the way I try to distinguish it in my mind is that SSE just means a, a stack of cloud-delivered security services. SASE means I'm accessing those cloud-delivered security services via a mechanism like SD-WAN. Yep. And, and just to be clear, um, SASE is S-A-S-E, and that stands for Service Access uh, uh, Security Access Service Edge. Right. Yes. Not SAS. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Gartner folks should have thought about the, the acronym a little harder, but here we are. <laughs> okay. So how does Palo Alto Networks package SASE? Um, if, if so, and the question comes in this form, I'm maybe I'm a Palo Alto Networks firewall customer. Uh, I've been using you, your firewalls for years and so on. Do I have SASE because I have those firewalls and I'm getting all these SSE functions that we were talking about that to access the cloud and so on securely? Is that all baked in or is this like, is this some other set of products I'm buying that are maybe in addition to my firewall? It's, uh, it's definitely separate from the firewall. So we have the firewall, which is, you know, an on-premise um, uh, appliance, but when we Think about SASE, you know, at uh, Palo Alto Networks, we have a, a separate product that is uh, called Prisma SASE. And that product uh, does have all the elements that we just talked about with uh, the SD-WAN side, the networking side, as well as all of the uh, security service edge or the SSE side. Uh, and those components, you know, things like the, the ZTNA or the private application access, as well as the cloud swig, you know, the public application access or the internet access. 
so firewall as a service and, and CASB. So all of those components, those modules that make up SSE and uh, the SD-WAN uh, combine together to create a product at Palo Alto Networks, which is cloud delivered and it's uh, uh, called Prisma Access SASE. Oh, excuse me, it's called Prisma SASE. So uh, that's the, the overarching solution that we have. And then we also have Prisma Access, which is just for the SSE side. So you can just purchase the SSE entitlements, the security components, or conversely, you can just do the networking side. So you can just also purchase Prisma uh, SD-WAN. So we have the three components available for customers. Now, Charles, you said uh, cloud delivered for a lot of these service uh, for a lot of these services. That means I don't have a firewall I'm managing that is delivering these services. Palo is delivering those services for me in the cloud. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah. Right. So we are delivering the the entire infrastructure as a service. Uh, so you don't need any boxes, any servers, uh, any uh, appliances um, in a data center. Uh, it is all uh, managed uh, by Palo Alto Networks. So walk us through the architecture of the, the, the solution at a high level then. Is there a client I'm installing on endpoints um, to get my traffic to the cloud services that Palo Alto Networks is providing? How does it work? Maybe just imagine a picture, right? So you have users and the branches or the sites where, the, where you have users or servers on the left. Okay, and then you have like a Prisma access in the middle and you have like all the target applications that users are trying to get to, whether it, it is your uh, internet apps, it's like it could be SaaS apps, it's your um, data center applications, or maybe you have apps running in your public and private cloud, right? So if, if you think of this way, now, uh, I know it's easier if, if you could draw and show in the diagram, but if you can just like, stay with me. Um, so if you have users and branches, so on the users, what we offer is especially like, you know, uh, we offer like multiple ways to connect the users into Prisma Access. So we you can connect via, we have a client, uh, which is called Global Protect Client. And using that client, you can send all traffic to Prisma Access from the end user machines. That's one. Now, now the user can be at home, it can be in a coffee shop, can be in a branch, and doesn't matter. Uh, um, we can secure, we can send all the traffic from uh, from the user's laptop to Prisma Access, inspect it, irrespective of whether the user is trying to go to internet access, is trying to go to like a private app, uh, any of that, right? So that's for the users. Now, if you think of a branch, uh, now the branches, you can connect branches. Like if you have a, we offer a Prisma SD-WAN as we talked about earlier. So you can use that SD-WAN device to connect into Prisma Access. And if you don't have a, a Prisma Access device, or if you have a, like, you know, depending on the connectivity options you have in the branch, we can also like connect to like a router to the branch and form an IPsec tunnel to Prisma mm -hmm. Access and you can forward the traffic that way, right? So that is, that covers mainly the users and the branches part on the left side. Now, now, so now once the traffic is coming to Prisma Access, now we inspect all the traffic. Uh, we, we uh, with all the zero trust in, uh, security principles, we do that. And then after that, when, when it goes on the right side, now it's internet, we obviously have a path for you to internet and we secure the traffic before it goes to internet. Now it goes to the private uh, applications. There also we offer you a choice. Um, you can connect Prisma Access back to your on-prem, let's say your data center through what we call a service connection. It's just an uh, IPsec tunnel that is formed. Mm -hmm. uh, we also uh, have an option, what we call a Zitna connector, which is like, we we take care of those uh, building the tunnels part. So it's like a VM that you deploy in your, let's say in your uh, public or private uh, or cloud, where these VMs can connect back to Prisma Access, right? And, and recently we also introduced where if you have like a large data center uh, or people are trying to go to this Colo Connect models, uh, if you have that concept also, we can tie into that and then um, send traffic or connect Prisma Access that way. So essentially, uh, so, so hopefully that gives you a picture about like how we can connect like users into Prisma Access and then connect to the apps. Well, the, the, the deal is that there's some plumbing that needs to happen between the applications that we are trying to access and the Prisma Cloud uh, in the in the middle, the uh, you know the Palo Alto network security services that you're providing. We got to route the traffic through that cloud somehow. So there's there's a client on on the one end that's going to get my traffic from where the user is, that endpoint in into the cloud for inspection. And then once we've got that traffic into the cloud, into the Palo Alto Networks cloud, we can have IPsec tunnels. You said, and there's some other mechanisms that we can use to connect to applications on the back end. And you gave a variety of options there. 
So, so the 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 big idea is we've got this stitching in the middle that's uh, that's got got to be done to to facilitate the traffic to flow through the inspection services that we're getting from from Palo Alto Networks in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so just to be clear, I think what we talk about is Prisma Access. There's there's also other product called the Prisma Cloud. Uh, this is different, but what you're talking about is the Prisma Access. Like we can talk about the things in the center. Um, so the um, so essentially, yeah, as, as you said, right? You have an agent or you have a, a branch we can connect into Prisma Access, and that's where we uh, we do all the security inspection before the traffic is sent to an either to an on-prem or to the uh, or to the internet. But you know, one of the um, the big advantages that we have at Palo Alto Networks is is the fact that we've uh, originally kind of built our business on the uh, the, the firewalls. Um, and so because of that, you know, if you have the Global Protect agent installed on a client, um, you can essentially have a hybrid mode of deployment where you can send uh, some of the traffic to Prisma Access, but where appropriate, you can also send it directly uh, from the endpoint directly to the firewall as well. So that provides a, an extreme level of flexibility for customers, uh, depending on POPs, uh, locations, and, mm -hmm. and use cases. So it, it's it's really a, a unique situation that a lot of competitors are unable to uh, kind of offer. Yeah, Charles, you highlighted something that I was going to bring up and that it sounds like you have the internet breakout capability where I don't have to hairpin all of my traffic back to some centralized collection of security devices. Uh, I can send traffic directly to the internet via Prisma Access cloud services and presumably you've got POPs near where, you know, as close to whatever web applications or internet applications I'm accessing, it doesn't have to all go back to a centralized, you know, data center where I've set up all my firewalls and IPSs and so on, and then back out and then back through again. Yeah, that's correct. Right. So that that's the uh, the ideal situation, but there may be situations where a POP may not be, um, you know, right next to your users, but you do have a data center. And so you can send those, um, those users, those workers directly to the next gen firewall and get the same level of security. Okay. So, so it, it, it works in the in the reverse as well. So uh, that's that's where we really add the value with the flexibility. What are you seeing from customers then as major use cases for this? Because I think a lot of orgs have already sort of built up those, you know, appliance stacks in key locations. Uh, why would I want to, you know, I guess in some ways disaggregate that and start spreading my security services around in the cloud? I think you hinted to the one of the things in the first slide, which is the um, which is the direct access. Um, so if you think about like uh, what happened in the, especially in the last few years, right, uh, with the whole hybrid work coming into play, uh, if you traditionally what people have done is they would have backhauled all their traffic uh, to their some security stack in the data center and yeah. then hairpin it back and go to the cloud, right? Uh, and now. If the applications were in data center, that was one, but now with all the applications moving to the cloud, this hairpinning would mean that user is not getting a good application experience, right? And then one other side you see is if, if, if users are not able to get their work done, one is the productivity gets impacted. And second, sometimes users, you know, they might disconnect their uh, VPN and now you lose full security, right? right. So, <laughs> so that's the downside of it. So, so by going directly to the cloud, one is we are avoiding this hairpinning, right? And then, that makes it much easier and especially if, if if you have to serve this elastic workloads like where you know people have to for example like when pandemic hit and when people started working from remote suddenly the customers found themselves hey now they have to scale their massive infra in the branch uh, like in the data centers right now mm -hmm. if you're going to something in the cloud and there you have the capability to elastically scale things and uh, and and you know with with all this modern cloud transformation we talk about and hybrid work we talk about, it is much easier to work with when things are in the cloud and we take care of scaling and uh, and making sure that you know users get the great user experience uh, along with um, best security. Got it. So instead of trying to estimate, you know, what size appliance firewall am I going to need these branches based on the number of users who may or not be may or may not be coming into the office by going into the cloud, I get that you know that elasticity of cloud and I don't have to think about, you know, I need A, B or C firewall size to, to accommodate my user base. Yeah, and then, and then even if you, uh, and then also I think you made one comment on the on the, on the like and the pops and locations, right? That if you think of Prisma access, like we have like we are on like 136 locations, like around mm -hmm. six countries. So it's like a, we have a very good like massive presence in the uh, like globally. And that brings it back to that performance issue. If I've got users on the West Coast of the United States and the East Coast of the United States, you know, presumably you've got pops in both of those geographic locations where I can, you know, get that tiny little bit of performance edge by going traffic, sending traffic to the nearest location as opposed to across the country. 
correct correct and then we have you have multiple like it's not like we have one uh, in only in west coast like you have multiple in west coast right so you can pick and choose sure. which one you want to go to yeah so the operational scalability and the uh, the user experiences yeah. is obviously a key uh, use case but you know when we think about uh, the primary use case for for a cloud switch solution or prisma access it's really about the security you know, we've been going strong at Palo Alto Networks about ZTNA 2.0 and the security principles behind that. Um, and, and it's just a, a different, uh, more secure way of looking at access. Um, and, you know, as the workforce is now completely distributed with hybrid and remote workers, and and to be honest, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, user behavior uh, challenges that are coming up as well, where employees are using personal devices, uh, to access work uh, applications and interchanging devices and turning off VPN. And, and there's a lot of nuances to the remote workforce. And so that lack of visibility into the internet traffic and, and those SaaS uh, applications that uh, are traversing the web is, is really a key use case. Having that visibility and being able to apply the ZTNA 2.0 security principles of continuous security inspection, continuous trust verification, you know, protecting all data, protecting all apps, protecting all users. That's the way that we like to see the primary use case from a security lens. Now you mentioned the secure web gateway. And uh, first of all, are we really gonna abbreviate secure web gateway to SWIG? Is that what we, we've agreed on that as an industry? That's the thing we're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're going to call it a swig. I, I read that the other day and I was really, we're going to call it a swig. Okay. I guess that's okay. So let's, I want to drill into Take a swig. That. You're going to have to swallow it, Ethan. <laughs> I wanted to drill into swig, secure web gateways for uh, the, the bulk of our conversation here today. Um, uh, so maybe the first question is explain what the function of a swig is in the security stack and how would you differentiate it for like like an appleware firewall or maybe it's kind of the same thing yeah so i think from me see swig perspective right if, if we just talk at uh, uh maybe we'll uh, just talk about it uh, at a high level like layman terms and then we can drill into more capabilities uh, if we just uh, talk about swig right like uh the primary purpose is to uh, block inappropriate access to web um, and secure, you know, secure users from things like a malware or any bad stuff that's in the web, right? That that's the primary use case there. Uh, and while also applying the uh, the user acceptance policies, right? Like like as as in like for example, company might have a policy or a, a compliance policies that says uh, uh, users can only go to let's say uh, these specific sites, and, like they cannot go to gambling, they cannot go to like adult sites, or they cannot go to like anything like outside of work, like they can't stream videos and stuff like that, right? So mm -hmm. they want to write those kind of policies and and that's what uh, Swig uh, traditionally help you do. So so Nathan, is is a Swig like a web application firewall, what we've been calling a WAF for you know well over a decade, plus some additional security stuff built uh, you know built on top, some policies added? Yeah, so WAFs uh, typically have been used for outside in access, like for example, if I'm exposing a public, let's say I'm exposing a web app to, uh, to users out, out in the world, then I put a WAF to secure my public app, right? My app that I'm exposing. Um, but if if it's, Swig is, is usually seen on the other side, which is like when users are trying to go to anything in the internet, right? And you sit in the middle and you kind of inspect that flows before it goes to internet it's more of a user's traffic or, or server traffic going to internet and you're trying to inspect that now i was uh, just going to say there, there are some use cases where servers and iot devices are connected to the internet and uh, we do have protections against sql injection and command injection um you know against those types of exploits uh, for those servers that are connected to the web as well so and, and those services um, or those security services are delivered through our advanced threat prevention so would a SWIG be the same as or different from a CASB? So traditionally, SWIG has been, uh, SWIG, uh, if you silly like draw lines and look at it, right? So SWIG was sort of, hey, as a, like any general internet access security, I'm trying to access, uh, secure that. Mm -hmm. um, and then CASB has been looked at more of a, of a access to like SaaS apps, right? And, 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 this, uh, and how do you secure that? Uh, but okay. but if you if you if you step back and see right like the solution that will secure internet access because all these apps are as apps apps sorry SaaS apps are running in internet now right so mm -hmm. if you think from the access perspective 
the solution that would you use for Swig would be a solution that you'll use to secure your uh, like you know SaaS applications as well. So that's why there's a lot of overlap uh, these days. If you uh, like, people are looking for a solution that does both things, right? Like one side is Swig, uh, which would like you know which which includes like DNS security, URL filtering, advanced threat prevention, and and all of that. And on the other side, Caspi or or even the data DLP kind of mixed into it, where you're trying to secure access to oh, the SaaS applications and ensuring that there's no data that gets leaked out uh, outside of or the corporate warranty say so is it correct to think of casby as providing more sort of fine-grained control over what folks can do within a SaaS application like allowing or blocking yeah. certain features charles mentioned about you know some of this uh uh to our principles right so one of the things that we talk about is like providing the least privilege access now mm-hmm. whether it is a web app or it's a uh, like you know, SaaS app out there. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. Like for example, if you say we are all on a let's say a Zoom call, right? Maybe there's specific functions of a Zoom you want to allow. Uh, and similarly, you take any web app out there. There might be specific functions of the. Maybe you want to allow upload, or, or or maybe you don't want to allow upload, but maybe you want to allow download, right? So, so those kind of granular controls you should be able to do, and and, and that's what like, like the one of the primary tenants we say is we give least privilege access. So you can select hey, these apps. Now, whether that could be a SaaS app, it could be any web app. Like you can, we have app ID that lets you give you those specific granular controls, uh, not just at the app level, but at function of the app. And then you can tie it to a user, right? Okay, this user or user group gets only this function. And then you can layer in additional security, whether it's a threat prevention, URL filtering, uh, DNS security, all of that on top of that. So I want to dig into this, you know, uh, Swig versus Zapperware firewall, because having been around the space for a long time, it seems like the, the secure web gateways came out because the traditional stateful inspection firewall was just like port 80, port 443. Yes, it's fine. So there wasn't a lot of fine grain control, but then firewalls developed this application aware capability. So do I need a Swig if I'm using an Appware firewall? What is a Swig giving me that I'm not getting from, uh, you know, a, a, a next-gen firewall? Yeah, so, so see, you can definitely use like next-gen next gen firewalls to especially for the app if you think of a pilot network firewalls right you can use that and use it as your internet gateway and secure all your internet flows uh, that's possible uh, and and a lot of our customers do that right uh, and, and speak if you think from a definition perspective yes you can use that uh, you can use ngfw firewalls to meet your swig uh, use cases and needs but the URL okay. url filtering capability essentially yeah yeah it's like as yeah. in you can use url filtering dns security like you know whether it's uh, advanced uh, threat prevention all of that can be done through an extension firewall right that's uh, mm-hmm. that's there but we also see the other side uh, in, uh like like you know a lot of people traditionally have used like a proxies to go uh, to to kind of provide swig functionality uh, and uh, some of these uh, customers have designed the networks around the proxies right now for mm-hmm. them um, to actually secure uh, either it's because they have a complaints need or networking needs like for example uh, uh, there's things uh, there are like i've seen customers who use IPs that they don't own uh, in their private networks, right? So in, in, in all of those cases, it it makes it easy uh, if you have a proxy to kind of route things better. Okay. Um, so, uh, or they have like no default route, like does the other classic network type. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, so, so people have used proxies as, as a way. So uh, to, to secure or, or, or to implement network controls around it. So if you have, um, if our customers have used traditionally used proxies, we do also offer uh, methods uh, in our uh, product portfolio where um, on the agent, we also have a proxy mode, or if you are connecting to a remote network, you're connecting from a branch to Prisma Access, there also we have a proxy mode so that for customers who want to migrate away from proxies, it becomes easy to do that migration or, or migrate from proxies to Prisma Access uh, and still want to continue to use proxies, they can still do that uh, with those methods. Well, okay, let's talk about phasing this service in. Uh, I'm now a, a Prisma Access customer, and I, I'm specifically enabling the the SWIG functionality, Secure Web Gateway functionality, and going to start using it. Um, is this an all or nothing thing where it's like, okay, it's the big weekend, we're going to do it, and then we turn it on, and then we brief the help desk on the pain they can expect on Monday? Or can I phase it in in some way and give us a sense of that? So, so, so if you think of a SASE, right, like we spoke about like the multiple use cases under SASE, right, like we spoke about, hey, there's a internet access, there's a private app access, there's a band security and all of that, right? Now, we, we've seen some customers who come in and say, hey, we want to do the entire thing uh, in one one go. And we also see a customers who say, hey, we want to take a, like a phased approach to to this, right? And then we, like maybe we'll start off with first securing, like 
changing our slick solution like maybe they are using an on prem proxy today and they want to go to a, a cloud delivered solution first and then over the period of time they want to replace their private access and, and things so on and so forth right um, so if you so so from that perspective if you we offer like for example let's take a use case of you have an on prem proxy today and you want to come to prisma access so what you can do is um uh if you want to do a simple like to like replacement so typically people who use on prem proxies they have a pack files uh, and where in the pack files they have like a statements where it says okay for this traffic go to uh, go to my on prem proxy all they can do is they can replace that statement and say hey go to prisma access right so we we offer a, a, a cloud proxy too so they can just point to there and and that is like a uh, i mean you obviously have to go configure authentication security policies and all of that but that's like a, a easy transformation you're just changing the pack file uh, to point to prisma access now uh, additional step could be like let's say uh, we so we have an agent um, so so think of what people if you're using on prem proxy for example what you have done is you would have have a vpn solution that is like backhauling all your traffic to your on prem stack where your where your on prem proxy sits and there inspection happens right now the the way to change that model would be or come into prisma access is we give you a gp agent now this gp agent protect agent uh, so this gp agent has like a proxy mode on it and what you and what you can do is it can coexist with your third party vpn so you don't have to touch your like it coexists with any vpn the customer is using right so you don't have to touch your private app flows uh, we just you can install our agent we'll 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 secure your internet traffic and we'll, instead of backhauling we'll directly take them to prisma access no matter where the user is and secure the traffic so in that scenario there's there's a split there i've got traffic going through my third party vpn and then i've got traffic that is going to be captured by the, uh, the 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 palo alto's client and get sent through to prisma access correct that, that's correct yes Yes. And then over a period of time, what you can do is then you can, then then when you're ready to change your private access part, too, so you already have an agent, you just start to change a mode on an agent and say, okay, I want to also enable this hybrid mode where I want to like pick the private app access, a uh, private app traffic too, and then we can secure that as well. So so that becomes more of a, uh, of a customer so looking for more of a, you know, <clears throat> phased out approach that, mm-hmm. that works better for them. So, the, so yeah. the heavy lifting is has already been done. So we front load a lot of that effort with that global protect agent, so that when you're ready for uh, to replace your third party VPN with uh, Prisma Access to protect your private application access, you can do that just by simply you know turning on the entitlement, getting the subscription, and configuring, and you're off and running. Um, and that's for all of our security services as well as our, our uh, autonomous digital experience management as well. That doesn't require an additional application or additional overlay. It's just simply once we have that global protect agent on your endpoint device and you get the subscription, get the entitlements later, you just essentially just turn it on. Uh, this is an important point here. So y- y- the point you're making is you're delivering all of the security services that are available to me from Palo Alto Networks, whether I'm consuming them or not, they're all available with the global protect agent. It's just a matter of licensing what features I want to use and turning them on. That's correct. Yeah, okay. So, so all all of them are available in Prisma Access. It, it just yeah, you just need to turn on the features and then for the traffic to Prisma Access and and things will be inspected. Yes. So am I setting web access policies in the Global Protect client interface? Am I setting it in the uh, SSE interface or the SASE interface? Where am I actually doing my policy uh, setup? Uh, yeah. So, 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 uh, good question. So, so if you think, uh, so, so we spoke about Prisma Access, where you can, uh, which inspects you, right? Now, to how do you manage and how do you write policies, right? So, we we offer you uh, two ways to do that. Um, let's say if you are a traditional Palo Alto customers, and let's say you have a, a lot of the customers use Panoramas to manage the uh, to manage their uh, uh, VM or on-prem firewalls and existing mm-hmm. firewalls. Mm-hmm. For them, they can use the same management uh, interface and go manage Prisma Access. Right, so that's one. Now, for some, we also offer another solution, which is like a completely cloud-based uh, solution to manage the Prisma Access. Or you, you can pick that option. But there's one central place. So, so the, the good thing about that is it's just one central place where you can manage, uh, like you know, uh, whether it's a, a internet security, whether it's a private app security, whether it's like the uh, ADEM uh, uh, capabilities that Charles was talking about. Like you know, all of that is you get. Manage them through a single uh, uh, pane, and we and we actually go a step further and try to make it as easy as possible for the Swig administrator by uh, providing pre-configured 
uh, web policies that are on by default. So all of yeah. the best practices when it comes to internet security is is already ready to go on day one. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably like gambling sites, adult sites, that kind of thing. That's already just <laughs> pre-baked in as you're not going there. Yeah, I think that uh, decrypt it's just not the URL filtering. Yes, that's that's done. Like we have a list of URL categories, and there's a best practices on what should be allowed and what should not be allowed. And by default, mm -hmm. things are configured for you. But it also more goes beyond that, right? So we we also have, uh, for example, uh, if you, if you talk about like whether it's a uh, decryption, whether you talk about like the um, uh, the threat prevention, like like a lot of these best practices are pre-baked for you. Now, now, one thing I think Charles is highlighting, I just want to double click on that is, is it traditionally we have, uh, so, so if, you, if, you, if you come to, let's say, take cloud management, for example, right? So while you, if you are an existing firewall, uh, are existing firewall customers, you want that full, full rich granularity, you, you get that. But we also have this additional view, which we call as a web security view that is more mainly catered towards like uh, web admins, right? Like people who have done, let's say, or SVIG admins in their, uh, who've been like managing, let's say, non-print proxies or maybe a cloud proxy. Mm -hmm. uh, for them, that is much easier uh, because that that is uh, that is like scoped down, um, scoped down to only web security. And then uh, and a lot of the pol like all, all the same things still apply. Like for example, you still get granular controls. You can do. Um, uh, we, we still have a best practices for predefined policies, uh, but it's just one place where you can defend your URL filtering, uh, CASB, and all the policies together, and it, it's much simpler to use. Yeah. So you're helping me understand the ad admin interface because when we think of SWIG and CASB and, and firewall policy and remote access policy and so on as all these distinct things, the thought of managing them gets a little daunting in that you're trying to understand, well, wait a minute, there's overlap, but there's distinct functions. Uh, am I managing one big policy or am I managing a bunch of little policies? And it sounds like it's like I'm thinking about it more like one one big policy, but that is filterable for a specific view, um, depending on who's doing the management or the area that I'm managing. Is it something like that? Yeah. So, so, so we could think of it as like you have a policy base, right? And 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 yes, like especially if coming from some other products, you might have seen policies like you know, like you have to go do Casby policy somewhere, you have to go do a sick policy somewhere, you have to go do uh, maybe your DNS somewhere. Like you, we, right. we might have seen such things in other products, but if you look at our product, everything is in in one place for you. Um, uh, and then the uh, like, I think people are familiar with uh, our uh, like you know, Claude, uh, our uh, panorama uh, or, or the way we the way the policy structure is uh, for them it's just very intuitive they can they can look at that and you can write like for example you can say for these users trying to go to these specific apps in this specific app functions uh and i want to allow uh allow with like following like you know whether it's a dns security spyware profile so like you can configure all of that right in a single policy and um that way it's not like split over into multiple screens it's, it's everything is in one place uh, now, on top of that, if you want to have, like, if you are a SWIG admin, if your job is only to do the uh, web security, you can look at a more uh, a view, which is which makes it more easy and 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 only shows you the relevant options that are needed uh, that are useful only for SWIG purpose. Uh, for example, the private app access side of flows, uh, uh, which are not relevant, will not be shown. Only the the internet side of things will be shown for you. But but when you write a policies and push the policy, they all they all still go on the same policy stack, right? It it's it's again everything is in one place. It's not split around. So I'm thinking particularly with the cloud delivered security services, where I'm interacting with a variety of different capabilities: app ID firewalls, uh, IPS, secure web gateway, CASB, zero trust. Is, do, you, do you provide a mechanism to let me know if I'm maybe writing policies that are in conflict with one another? Yeah, so so so, um, so what happens is, see, all these policies have um, the, uh, if, if you think of the policy basis and how things are structured, right? They mm -hmm. all... Uh, they all are like you know they're all sequential in nature so so you know uh you know like you know what policy is in the top what policy in the bottom it's like just top down right so you can you can mm -hmm. see that but mm -hmm. apart from that too we we obviously give you additional tools uh like for example with with the aops that we uh, uh we have recently just concept called of access analyzer where you get like a natural uh, language processing thing where you can go and say uh hey like are, uh, are these uh users able to go to these apps you know you can do you can do 
things things like that to to help you troubleshoot better um, and traditionally obviously like you know if you send traffic to prisma access you you definitely get a log and in the log it's very clear you know like which policies uh, which policies have um um, which policies know, were triggered by that? What triggered that, that particular yeah. traffic pattern? Correct, correct. Yeah. But like this, this access analyzer takes it like two, three level notches up uh, for you, so that you can just like do a natural language interface to kind of ask these kind of questions. Uh, one, one thing I would like to add, you know, we talked about a lot of different security services, um, and and what I want to make clear for the audience is that. You know, while we're talking about, you know, DNS security or advanced threat prevention or URL filtering, there's a lot of different security services that come together um, as part of the Secure Web Gateway, but uh, it doesn't add latency. Uh, and, and I think that's really important because Nathan earlier talked about kind of the importance of the user experience. And so we have what really differentiates us is our architecture. You know, we have a single pass architecture where we only look at a packet just one time. And because of that, when we add additional entitlements as you're ready to phase, and we talked about phasing earlier, it doesn't introduce latency or any type of performance uh, degradation. Um, and we're, you know, when we when we test it, we're we're looking at you know industry leading like 10 milliseconds or less with SSL decrypt turned on and all of our uh, security services uh, activated. So I mean that's uh, that's really phenomenal that we're able to achieve that. But performance is a key uh, use case and benefit. Uh, in, in light of all of the uh, the security that we're talking about today. But you're saying there's no more latency added as you ramp up services, as you license more services that you want uh, Prisma Access to be inspecting for you or doing for you. It's not going to get any higher than 10 milliseconds. Is that what you said, Charles? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So there's still, I mean, j just from a network architecture perspective, we're taking traffic from wherever the user is, pumping it into a cloud pop of some point that Palo Alto Networks is going to be using to uh, admin, uh, inspect that traffic and then forwarding on to its final destination. R roughly, that's the architecture. So there could be some latency that's there, but your, your point is when the traffic hits the Palo Alto Networks cloud, the Prisma uh, access, it's as fast as 10 milliseconds uh, to do all the inspections and move that traffic, to, to approve or deny and move that traffic along. Yeah? That's correct. Well, I want to know a little more about the user experience. If we got a fast user experience, that's good. Um, but what is it from the consumption side? They're on their endpoint, they're on a laptop, and they've got that uh, that client installed. What's what's their interaction with that client? Is there an authentication process? Do they know that things are happening as a traffic's getting sent up to Prisma Access for inspection, for for the, the SWIG to do its thing and so on? Yeah, sure. So I see a lot of a uh, lot of this depends on how custom how the customer configured the uh, configured the uh, uh, agent and uh, and what kind of authentication mechanism they want. But we we do we have a like you know for example when you let's say log into the laptop, we can just take that as as a way to authenticate you so that you don't like user doesn't see any additional authentication prompts, right? But like but there are customers who who want users to like do an to FA or MFA challenge, and even that can also be baked into the flow. Right, uh, so that's fun. And now, let's say uh, you're you're going to a site. You're allowed. Uh, then uh, all things are working. Let's say you hit a site that your by com company policy it's blocked. Then what we do is we show you like a block page and say, hey, hey, hey user, you're trying to go here, and um, your uh, your access is blocked as per company policy. And if customers want to customize that message, they can also do that. Right, so that that way we inform users uh, better. Right, uh, instead of users wondering, hey, is there a is there a, a, a you know issue like you know uh, why am I suddenly not accessing why am I not able to access and creating an IT ticket? It it kind of gives you a way for you to put your message out there and say hey, this is the reason like according to company policy you are blocked right now now that is that is one part but from if you think from administrative side there's there's a uh, uh, sorry let me finish the user part so so in addition to that like uh, on the on the GP agent, we are, like I think Charles also mentioned about the ADAM part, right? So we have something called as application experience, where users can now also check their like you know how like how is the device state, how is their Wi-Fi state, how is their access to internet. Like we, we give some mm -hmm. uh, some information to user there uh, just to make the user a little bit more self-serve. Uh, but from when you think from the user experience as a whole, like sometimes we see app uh, we see the uh, admins um, see when when user was in the office right or or in the on prem they uh, the admins are a bridge tooling to kind of measure everything as uh, on the path to let's say to internet or saas app right now when it, when suddenly they're working from home 
user like admins feel like they're losing that rich visibility and that's where the the digital experience monitoring that we have um, uh, in the product comes into help where you can actually get like a complete metrics whether whether you're connecting to prisma access through a gp agent or you're connecting through a sdvan solution you are prisma access sdvan solution you get like a path by path metrics and you can clearly understand like like if some user comes and says hey i have a I have like I'm trying to access this application and and the performance is bad or, or user experience is bad, then we can administrators can clearly identify hey, is this your Wi-Fi issue, is this the uh, ISP issue, is it this has app issue, where are things uh, like broken in the chain so that you you can understand where the issue, uh, where uh, you can get a good understanding of where the problems are. You're essentially able to use that client as a as a probe uh, to measure Correct. things like you know, Wi-Fi performance, the CPU and memory usage on the device, the local ISP, Please. you know, uh, yeah, delays. Yes, delays. Yeah, and then we recently we have also done so. so so while we give this rich visibility, uh, instead of just it being a reactive, like you know, someone complaining and then admin going looking at it, we can also do proactively and then give uh, information to admins and alerts to admins and say like, hey, we are seeing. This, this particular issue going on in a network uh, or these users are having a bad you know, user experience. Like we can proactively also generate that alerts. You know? mm -hmm. I was talking to a VP the other day and uh, he was working from his porch and uh, he accidentally connected to his neighbor's Wi-Fi and didn't realize <laughs> it. And so when he, uh, he was trying to get to some applications and it was taking a lot longer than usual, uh, one of those self-serve pop-ups came up and, and he was able to quickly identify that, hey, I'm not on my network, I'm on my neighbor's. And uh, was able to Oops. kind of fix that uh, quickly. So yeah, the mean time to remediate, um, you know, it, it's just so much, uh, so much value for customers, especially when ticket escalations are going up with uh, the remote workforce. Right, that remote use case is is pretty good. What do I do about my uh, IoT endpoints that I can't install a client on? Are they able to use the Prisma Access cloud services? Yeah, yeah. So I think for the IoT, um, so so we we see uh, we have like again two options. Like if you, it could be IoT, it could be servers, right? Now, if uh, we can, like, let's say they they are set up in a branch and you can form like a IPsec tunnel from the from the branch edge router to Prisma Access, and you can forward the traffic from the uh, from these IoT devices uh, to Prisma Access, and we can secure it. And depending on the features, like we also have IoT security add-on, uh, which 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 can we can give you like much more further uh, rich insights into into uh, you know what are the different devices that you have in the network, what is the uh, threats you are seeing, and, and all of that, right? And and we can also give you like some policy recommendations based on the on, on the traffic and things that we see. Now, uh, uh, we we also have seen, uh, especially in a SIG context, right, like a web security context, we have also seen customers, especially who have proxies, um, they 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 have these networks which which are called non-default out networks, in which in which case there's no default out to internet, and these servers can only talk to like these IoT devices or servers can have to go to a proxy, and then only can go to internet, right? So in that case, uh, we 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 can use the proxy that we have in Prisma Access, and we can enable that for your remote networks. So that way, all you um, all you have to do is you just swap out the proxy endpoint that you had on your IoT devices and change it to the proxy endpoint that we have, uh, and then we can we can send the traffic to through the remote networks, the same IPsec channel to Prisma Access. And you can write the policies, like if, if these IoT devices can authenticate uh, uh, with Kerberos and things like that, we, we we support that. If there are devices that cannot authenticate and you need to write the policies using the private IP of the device, uh, we can also support that. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a lot of flexibility and options to for IoT. And then with IoT security, um, uh, we we do a lot more things than uh, what, what they typically other vendors do in the market. And just to kind of bring it home to, to folks, you know, the big idea here would be if your IoT device is trying to contact a command and control network in uh, Eastern Europe somewhere, you're going to catch that and go, no, you can't go there. So uh, what's the licensing model for Secure Gateway and the other features that are available in, in cloud-delivered security? Do I just buy a bundle? Do I turn things on individually? How does it work? We have like three additions in Prisma Access. Um, it's called business, business premium, enterprise. So business and business premium work well if it's your 
web secure gateway and if you have like a even private app use cases then you can go to the enterprise uh, edition now uh, for example if you take business premium some of the add uh, some of these things are built in for default for example like our advanced url filtering capabilities dns security wildfire which is like a sandboxing and then the advanced set prevention all of this are built in so you don't have to pay extra for any of these services it comes with the uh the, the business premium edition now on top of that if you want like let's say a casb or a dlp or a iot security these are all add-ons that you can purchase uh and uh, uh in addition to the uh what you get in the base uh, business premium yeah okay so I've, I've you've got a series of tiers and i can do add-ons to those tiers as needed depending on my my requirements my requirements yes well, gentlemen, this has been a very interesting conversation. I love these new architectures because of the flexibility that you get. And uh, and although there's an old school part of me that's like, I want a box that does the things and it's my box and it's in a rack I racked up and it's my precious with the blinky lights. I, you know, the reality is I can't provide that solution effectively for my users anymore. I can't because I don't know where they're at. I don't know where they're getting to. And I've got to have a solution that can be flexible and scale uh, no matter where they are and what they're trying to access. That's just the reality of it. So, so these architectures are a lot of fun. Uh, so a couple of closing questions. Uh, new capabilities in, in, in SWIG. What have you guys brought to market that's uh, new with this product? Yeah, so it's so a couple of things. I think uh, uh, obviously on security side, we continue to do add uh, many more things in, into the uh, into the product. Uh, so some of the recent ones are like, for example, on the phishing side, uh, and it every release like we are adding a lot more capabilities into phishing, but like there, are, um, the way the phishing uh, is evolving, right? So. Uh, now we have capabilities that can, uh, like, like what we're seeing from attackers is, you know, to to work around these controls that typically, like, you know, uh, security vendors are providing. Uh, what they're trying to do is they are uh, investing in evasive techniques. For example, earlier they used to create a phishing site by itself, and and you could look at like, you know, each of the site, for example, as indicator to say, here is uh, is this a uh, is this a risky site? Right. Uh, now, what they're now doing is they're hosting those phishing sites on SaaS uh, on on SaaS platforms. So that way, if you look at the domain, the domain would look like, hey, it's 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 a valid domain, right? So they're trying to uh, using some of those techniques to kind of like evade the controls. But in, in, so we have a techniques there to kind of secure, uh, like even if it's even if the phishing site is hosted on a SaaS app, we use some of the techniques to uh, using machine learning and AI to figure out, hey, this is like a actually phishing page, and then block it. Right, and then there's a uh, similarly we we have seen people like even like a novice attackers, right? They're able to use the phishing kits and and able to you know carry these phishing attacks. Uh, even that we are able to block because now not just looking at a page, but we are also trying to generate signatures based on the kits. So so any any phishing pages that are created using the kit uh, can be blocked, right? And, and then the most interesting part is the the uh, uh, man. Uh, middle in the middle attack phishing attacks or uh, or address in the middle phishing kind of attacks where uh, where what attackers are doing like what attackers have seen seen that okay customers are protecting against the phishing attacks uh, either like using like a, a, a 2fa uh, kind of in, in the flow right or when the when they create this phishing pages attackers are not you know very careful with every link on the phishing page um so it's very easy to like you know maybe there's a typo in the in the page or the links are broken so it, it makes it uh, you can go catch that hey these are not actual pages right um so what what attackers have now doing is they're actually running like a, a reverse proxy service in the middle and so when you see a when a user see a login page that page is ex actual Git, like let's say if, you, if you're trying to steal a GitHub or a Microsoft credentials, right? Like you would actually see a GitHub login page, right? And there's nothing in the page that says it's suspicious, right? Because they are mm -hmm. just relaying the same login page to you. Um, and then what they do is um, uh, when you enter your credentials, right? Or you enter your 2FA tokens, uh, they steal those information and behind the scenes, they go access those uh, sites. Um, so they can steal your cookies and stuff like that and have the access to the thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, um, I think this attack has been like last year. I think Microsoft also blogged about it, uh, and that we have we have solutions to actually secure, uh, uh, like you know, prevent phishing against such attacks as well. So, so on, on the phishing uh, side, I think I think there's a lot of goodness that came in the product to to actually prevent such attacks. And, and similar investments have gone into you know catch like uh, if, like for example, like Cobalt Strike is one good example. Like red teams have traditionally used Cobalt Strike. To, uh, to you know test things, but now what attackers have done is by nature, right? The the cobalt strike is made by nature 
make it hard to detect so that direct teams can use it right uh, to, to uh-huh. test things now attackers have taken that and then they're using cobalt stack to carry the attacks right because it's hard to detect now uh, pilot network said we uh, there are uh, things that came into product that they can stop you stop such attacks uh, or cobalt stack based attacks too and there's been like a third party reports where where the, the data is like you know we can block like 90 person plus attacks but if you look at some other competitive products they're at a uh, they're, they're like even less, less than 50 percent in many cases right so so that's there and then so that's on security side i just want to spend like maybe a, a minute on the on, on, on some of the interesting other capabilities that we brought into prisma access uh, for example traffic replication is a is a one good thing to talk about um so so a lot of admins feel like like you know security uh, or even like network admins feel like you know once things go to the cloud they're losing this uh, rich uh, um, uh, you know like packet captures or, or information that they they could collect when things were on prem right but typically they have some device on prem that does the packet capture dumps for them right now what we what we're enabling prisma access is able to replicate the traffic uh, and then take the packet captures as needed so that you can do your either forensic analysis or you have some uh, compliance or or uh, some application performance visibility like any of these things that you want to do you can do using that and i'll put in a little cross promo here we did a tech bites on this capability specifically uh this traffic replication feature in prisma access i believe it's on the uh pops hosted on gcp you're taking advantage of a capability in, in google's cloud uh, for this traffic yep. replication yes that's correct man yep Okay. Yeah, so we'll put that link in the show notes if you want to get more details on that, but it's, it is a cool feature, yeah. yeah. Well, we covered an awful lot of ground today. We got into a lot of details. So people that want to review this and uh, learn more, uh, where would you send them? The best place to go to learn more is to our website, which is uh, paloaltonetworks.com slash sassy, which is S-A-S-E slash secure dash web dash gateway. And uh, you'll have access to a lot of resources, uh, whether it's guides, white papers, infographics, uh, on-demand webcasts. So all of that is available there, as well as an, an overall picture of our solution. Uh, so yeah, just go to our website and uh, hopefully all the information that you'll need is there. And you can reach out to uh, any of our sales representatives on the page as well. PaloAltonetworks.com slash sassy slash secure dash web dash gateway. That's the, your landing page to find out more about the secure web gateway, which we've been talking about in detail today. Our thanks to Palo Alto Networks for sponsoring today's episode. And thanks to you for listening all the way to the end. And if you do call up your Palo Alto rep and ask them about Prisma Access, SWG, their sassy products or anything else security related, be sure to let them know you heard about it on the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. And don't don't overlook all the other resources that we provide for your professional career development here at Packet Pushers, including several other highly technical podcasts for IT engineers, our weekly newsletter, Human Infrastructure Magazine, and our free Slack group that's open to everybody, vendors included. All we ask is no marketing stuff. Find all of these resources at packetpushers.net, including our follow-up page if you like to comment on what you heard here today. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.